1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point, hour number two here on this Thursday, February 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 p.m. today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As always, tune in, Terrestrial Radio, KDOS AM 1060 online at kdos1060.com and Apple and Android users it's here for you now download the new kdos1060 uh, app and get yourself all signed up and ready to go for some listener rewards prizes as well Apple and Android is now up and operational over on the website kdos1060.com let's get into the poll question pitchers and catchers reported yesterday for the Arizona Diamondbacks Bob caught up with Matt Snyder of cbssports.com Talking all things Major League Baseball. So it's time. The 2023 Diamondbacks over 75 and a half wins or under 75 and a half wins. Under remains out in front, but down just a touch here at 78% of the vote. Over is now sitting at 22%. Yeah, Matt not completely in the Diamondbacks, but also not completely ruling them out. He, yeah, I think he made a couple of really good points regarding the Diamondbacks uh, when I asked him about. He has them 23rd. Uh, in his power rankings, but there are some serious tears involved uh, in baseball, and that's been going on for a while. Pretty much anybody below the Diamondbacks is really bad, and then there's like the seven or eight teams ahead of them are kind of the same little you know group of teams, and they're going to need some of their younger players, pitchers, and position players to perform this season uh, to have a, a you know a, you know a productive season. But they're, you know, the key word here is they're going to need those guys as opposed to it's kind of a luxury if you get a couple of younger players help you out. I was going to say, uh, I mean, this team, as it's constructed, is he- is headed in a youth youthful direction. So yeah. if they all kind of start off with gangbusters, that's great. Are they able to maintain that for a long season? Or if they start off slow, try to get their footing into what it is to be a part of a Major League Baseball season, the 75-and-a-half win total is really hinging upon, you know, the direction that the youthful team goes. Yeah, and there's a couple other factors here this year, too. They're going to the balanced schedule, so you're not playing the Dodgers 19 times, even though they play the Dodgers a whole bunch of times early in the season so you're going to be done with them just you know a large chunk of your games against the dodgers are going to be done in april uh that that may be a bad or good thing the dodgers clearly they had a very quiet off season uh we've talked to matt about this briefly and i remember i talked to bob nightingale about this at least twice during the off season we had bob on on it seems like they're just kind of you know, waiting to make a run for the free agent uh, Shohei Otani at the end of the season, uh, in this upcoming season. Uh, and uh, they seemed like they saved some of their money for that. And not that the Dodgers are ever really, quote, saving money because they seem to spend money, and that's not a problem. Uh, but uh, they're not as good. In fact, Matt has them sixth in his power rankings, and that's extremely low compared to most years, obviously. Uh, the Giants... 
they didn't get judged. They obviously the Correa thing fell through for them. They did make a couple of moves, and they also seem to get the max out of what they have. Uh, but you know, I don't think that they're going to be winning 105 games or 100, 106 or whatever they won a couple of years ago. That seems highly unlikely. The Rockies are awful. Uh, they might be the worst team in baseball. So that's a, uh, you know, that you've played at least 13 times against them. Uh, so you know, the the scheduling dynamic, and I really don't know. It's going to be driving me crazy. I've been thinking about this the last two or three days after the football season ended here. I'm not sure how this balanced schedule thing is, you know, who it benefits, including the Diamondbacks in this case, or does it benefit them? That's a good point because, uh, you know, if you're the Dodgers, maybe you pencil in facing the Rockies, facing the Diamondbacks for as often as you do to help you, you know, get to your 110 win uh, number. 38 games against those teams in recent years. That's a whole lot. That's, you know, somebody else can do the percentages on this, but that's a large chunk of your schedule. You know, I wonder if this is going to be another similar thing where we thought, oh, the AFC West is going to be the team, the division <laughs> to beat. Are we thinking that again about the NL West here in baseball when you have uh, the two powerhouses now with the Dodgers and the, the Padres making the moves that they did? And, and will the, the Giants have a say in anything? Maybe. I mean, yeah, I think there's plenty of people that uh, I haven't looked at, uh, you know, just kind of look at Matt's power rankings and, uh, as far as baseball goes, but uh, yeah, I don't know how many people think the Dodgers are going to win a world championship this year. Uh, I think most years people have favored the Dodgers or thought they had a really good chance. I don't think that's the case this season. Matt has the Padres second behind only the Astros in his you know power rankings going into the season. I don't disagree with that. Uh, so that's yeah, they've spent more money. Uh, the Padres this offseason and just extended uh, yeah, Darvish's contract. He's going to be like 102 by the end of this contract, but whatever. It's their money. Uh, and then they just signed Michael Waka this, uh, just a couple of days ago, and he was the about the only you know, decent above-average free agent pitcher still on the market, so they're still adding. And it's uh, days before spring training, like the I think it was the day before spring training for them, uh, they actually added Waka, so they're 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 not sp- uh, sparing any expense, and uh, they they have plenty of players. Uh, they've got they, they probably they're they're going to have a battle to see who actually is you know, who are the five pitchers that are going to be in the rotation because they got like eight or nine guys to choose from. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we'll get into this question uh, from the Diamondback side of things around 1230 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060. Is it time for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to part ways? Yes remains out in front at 86.7% of the vote. No trailing at 13.3%. We'll dive into that, as I said, around 1230. Your phone calls, if you'd like to join the program today, around 1215-602-260-1060 is the number to join the conversation bob i I know you don't believe in this and i'm kind of like half-heartedly joking here that apparently we are curses for teams in college basketball because the second we praise a team on the air they turn around and they lose and that's exactly what happened last night with Alabama losing to Tennessee 68 to 59. Neither team shot great. Bama 35.4% from the floor, Tennessee 36.5% from the floor, but Bama had 19 turnovers. That was a big surprise. Usually they take care of the ball. I mentioned the senior guards yesterday. <laughs> Whoops. Uh 
the the defensive part of this was not surprising because Tennessee, you know, you know, as far as the metrics, are the best defensive team in the country. I mentioned yesterday how Alabama, especially for a team with a lot of freshmen, very surprisingly one of the top defensive efficiency teams in college basketball. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of alleviate alleviate he tried to say uh, your idea about the jinx thing here. It's not a jinx because this year it's been whoever's ranked number one is going to lose. Uh, this is amazing that, uh, you know, I have, I, I, I'm kind of scrambling here because I actually have this number here somewhere, I promise. Uh, there's been an incredible amount of team, the eighth time, here we go. Sorry about the delay, but I did find it at least before we went to break. All that matters. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, this is the eighth time this season, this season, that the AP number one team has lost. Uh, that's the most since, two th- uh, actually, 1993 and 94, and the second most since 1948 and 49. Uh, so it, it's pretty much whoever's number one is going to lose soon, whether it be obviously – yeah, some examples of this are Purdue. They've done it like a couple times. <laughs> Houston and now Alabama gets to their first week at number one. They don't even play. They can't make it through a game without losing. Well, all I'm hearing there, Bob, is that it's not our fault. That's exactly right. That's the bottom line. And, yeah, that's, that's what we care about here is the bottom line. Marquette beat Xavier 69-68. A putback off of a missed layup yeah. is what won the game. Marquette now finds themselves in good position to win the Big East. Regular season-wise, they're up one and a half games on Xavier, Providence, and Creighton, and I do believe they still have at least Creighton left to go on the schedule. Uh, but that was, uh, you know, goodness gracious, letting him run all the way into the lane. He misses, and then they don't box out, and the guy just tips it in to win the game. Yeah, I think there's this kind of understandable, however, because I mentioned yesterday uh, that Kevin, you know, know, Fremantle, uh, who is uh, arguably, maybe not even arguably, uh, the best big guy for Xavier. He's been injured, and he, they hope he's going to be back for the start of the tournament. Uh, He's a big, big time rebounder for them. And then there's, you know, another guy that that the guy that actually is replacing Fremantle, he fouled out last night with like five minutes to go in that game. So they were really uh, – they they don't have much depth. That's probably the – in fact, it's definitely the Xavier's weakness anyway, whether it's front-line guys or just players in general. They're pretty much win completely intact, like a six- or seven-man roster as far as quality players go. And they were running short on dudes, needless to say, by the end of the game. Then you also had Iowa State beating TCU 70-59. to Mike Miles did not play for the Horned Frogs last night. This now makes it five of the last six games that TCU has lost. It's interesting. All without, that's their record when he hasn't played, by the way. Correct. Since he got hurt, they're one and five. That, that's going to be my point here is that I understand that star players in like college basketball or college sports in general like really mean a lot, but this seems like extraordinary measures of how much he means to this team. Well... If you know, I've been, I don't really look into the mock drafts or anything in, uh, you know, in February, but uh, I would be really, really surprised. Uh, he's certainly a lottery pick. I would think he's a candidate to be a top five pick. Uh, he's a tremendous player, and I think he's going to be a better NBA player than he is a college player. He's tremendous in screen and roll situations, and a lot of the a lot of the the, uh, the sets and things we see offensively. 
in the NBA, he's already kind of mastered at the college level. And uh, if I'm an NBA team and needs a backcourt player, I want this dude. I don't know your friend, Ryan, but I'm sure he was celebrating last oh, night. Yes. Northwestern right. does it again, topping number 14, Indiana, 64-62. to 62. It ended up going down with two seconds left to go. Boo Booey went one-on-one for the bucket after Indiana had stormed back from 21 down. They did. Uh, it looked like it was gonna, it was a blowout at halftime, and then uh, in Northwestern, they they they're a tremendous defensive team. Uh, they have some stretches where you wonder if they're ever going to score, <laughs> and, and they had a long stretch last night. Uh, in Indiana, couldn't miss it. They couldn't make a shot in the first half, and IU couldn't miss a shot in the second half. And this was a wild environment. Uh, you know, they've gotten uh, last couple games in Evanston when they, obviously they beat Purdue on Sunday and they won this game against Indiana last night. Now, I'm somebody that actually was a season ticket holder for Northwestern basketball uh, when I lived in uh, Chicago. And that wasn't because I was necessarily Northwestern fans because hey, they played all these Big Ten teams. And, uh, you know, there there's a huge contingent, unless it's Penn State, no matter who they're playing, there's, you know, before the season even begins, most of the tickets are bought up by whoever they're playing, like Indiana fans, uh, for instance, uh, some of the most loyal, and I will also say some of the most uh, confused fans in college basketball over the years because I think their team should win the national championship every year, even though I don't think they've won a national championship since 1988, but they think they're going to win it every year. Uh, and uh, they used to, back in the day when Northwestern wasn't any good, the, the Northwestern home game against Indiana was like three quarters filled with Indiana people with their Bob Knight sweaters, their red sweaters on, basically. Uh, last night, there was still a large contingent of IU fans, and Northwestern's got their own fan base now. And the last you know, four or five possessions of this game, it was hilarious. It's just as far as crowd noise goes. Maybe hilarious is the wrong word. But it was, you know, you couldn't, you know, if you didn't really know the circumstances, you'd be going, who's the home team here? <laughs> so, because there was a large crowd response to anybody that scored a basket on, uh, you know, no matter who was scoring it. Uh, we'll get into much more around college basketball, what's happening tonight, a little about the MLB and the Diamondbacks as well on the other side of the break. But I did want to make mention of this as I'm just now seeing it here. Uh, being announced, Cardinals Hall of Fame catcher Tim McCarver uh, died today at the age oh. of 81. Obviously, he had a tremendous career calling World Series games for ABC, CBS, and Fox. I know him from his time with Fox and then his tremendous career as well. Yeah, tremendous player back in the day with the Cardinals in the 60s and uh, won a couple of World Series, maybe three, at least two. Uh, and then he went on was the personal catcher for Steve Carlton uh, when Carlton had his, some of his best years with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, and this reminds me, you know, Billy Packer just passed away a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned uh, when we talked about that, that a lot of my you know, basketball philosophy was developed when I was like in uh, high school and college listening to Billy Packer do college basketball games. And a lot of my, you know, I already have a had a philosophy with Major League Baseball and you know, what I believed and so forth. But li watching McCarver in his heyday during his uh, you know, announcing career, uh, he, he brought up things that I'd never thought about before uh, that, uh, 
yeah, he made you, you know, think the game in a different perspective. And uh, I think that uh, the case can be made in the last 40 years. He's been the best baseball commentator there has been as far as an analyst goes. To your point, two-time World Series champion, 1964 and 1967. Yeah, and it actually should have won in 1968, too. They had a 3-1 lead against the Tigers and lost. Uh, they, lost, lost they lost the last three games of that series, and the Tigers won that series in seven. In 64, he hit a tie-breaking home run in the 10th inning to win Game yeah. 5 of the World Series. And I actually remember that. I was at the age of seven. Uh, but I was a... I'm not sure how this happened. It might have been some kind of a parental rebuttal by me. My dad grew up a you know, Cleveland Indians fan, and you know the Indians were actually pretty good in a lot of those years, but they could never beat the Yankees. Uh, so I don't know why, but I was a Yankees. I was like seven years old and a Yankees fan. And I remember I had a Mickey Mantle jacket. And I'm guessing my mother bought me that because I don't, can't imagine my dad would have bought me a Mickey Mantle ja- jacket. But I do remember that game in the World Series. I was going to say, there's no way your dad bought you the opposing team no. jacket. No, not happening. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program. 602-260-1060. We'll get into more around college basketball, Major League Baseball, and the news here. Uh, Just coming in about Tim McCarver passing away today at the age of 81. It is the Extra Point on KDUS AM 1060. Monday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. It's James Out West featuring Ryan Brooks as the duo breaks down the NFL, NBA, and the local sports scene here on KDUS AM 1060. Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. And as always, you can follow us online at KDOS1060.com. Apple and Android users, download the new KDOS 1060 app and enjoy some listener reward opportunities for you as well. 602-260-1060. If you'd like to join the conversation, we'll entertain you as well. Getting back into the college hoops conversation tonight, let's start with ASU. They're hosting Colorado, 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. There's no room for error anymore, right? Uh, maybe even less than that, <laughs> if there's such a thing. Um, yeah, they can't be losing. The final two home games of the year, they host Colorado and Utah. Uh, they obviously have to win those games. I'm talking about for the possibility of an large bid, which I think is kind of a long shot, unless you know after these two games at home, they still play at the U of A and play in Tucson against the U of A. And then the final two games of the regular season are against the L.A. schools in Los Angeles. Now, they've already lost to these three teams at home, so it seems unlikely. But uh, if ASU is going to get in a large berth, I think the, uh, they'd have to win, uh, obviously, the two games this week. Then they'd have to win at least, I think they'd probably have to win one or maybe both games against uh, U, the U of A and UCLA, the two best teams and you know, you know, the conference and you know, two of the, at worst, seven or eight best teams in the country. Uh, so they have to do that. They can't lose the USC game. And then they just can't fall on their face and lose in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, which unfortunately, uh, ASU has a history of bowing out very early in the Pac-12 tournament for the last, you know, however many years they've been playing it. 
Uh, for the U of A, they are hosting Utah. They're wanting to avenge their earlier season loss yeah. to the Utes, but they also have to try to prevent a two-game skid. That's 8 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network tonight. They've been good in the revenge games so far. <laughs> they you know, lost to Washington State at home and you know won them, uh, beat them, and won that game rather handily in Holman. And then the, uh, they got clobbered when they played at Oregon. And then, needless to say, when they played him in Tucson, we uh, didn't. You know, actually, that was a. You know, Oregon was more competitive than I thought, but U of A won that game somewhat comfortably. So it's another revenge game. That Utah game was the first game that the U of A had lost. That was all the way back on December the first, because uh, you know the expanded conference game schedule. They start playing games before Christmas now in conference play. Uh, so that was a really long time ago. The U of A obviously coming off in a horrible performance and quite, I think, quite frankly, their worst game of the season uh, was last Saturday night in Stan- against Stanford. Uh, Stanford shot 61% in that game and had 88 points. And the U of A just, uh, needless to say, you know, I, don't, I probably shouldn't have to say it, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, 61% of the 88 points allowed. They didn't guard anybody. <laughs> it was horrendous. I mean, it was a layup festival. And actually, Stanford made a bunch of threes also, which they usually don't make. Uh, when it comes to UCLA, they're hosting Stanford. Speaking of that Stanford team, 9 p.m. on ESPN2. Uh, are you still back to really liking UCLA here? Oh, yeah. I think if you just take a look at their season, well, the first thing is, you know, they did not really play a demanding non-conference schedule. And a couple of teams they thought would be really good uh, didn't turn out to be very good. Uh, so that's not, uh, you know, unfortunately for them, they didn't help their, you know, their, their metrics and their power rankings and their quad one wins. And in fact, I'm not sure if they even have a quad one win. I know that they didn't as of a couple of weeks ago. I don't think anybody in the Pac-12 has you know, elevated themselves into that territory. Uh, but uh, UCLA, they had the 14-game winning streak. Then they lost in Tucson uh, to the U of A. They lost the next game when they blew the second-half lead and got destroyed at home at, uh, at USC. So they actually lost two in a row. So they won 14 straight. Then they lost two straight. And now they've won four in a row again. And uh, they've also gotten healthier here. You know, Bailey is a really important player for them gives them an offensive weapon and you know they sometimes uh, have offensive weapon issues uh, and uh, they go long stretches without scoring but their defense is so good that it doesn't really matter that they have these long scoring stretches and just a, you know, it's it's a wild thing just to, I usually don't look at the just to do the point differential thing too much because I think it's kind of dependent on who you're playing and when you're playing them and all that but you know the U of A is obviously an offensive-oriented team, and UCLA is a defensive first team. If you just go by total points scored for the season, the U of A scored more than 200 points more uh, than uh, UCLA, but then UCLA is allowed like almost 300 points less <laughs> than the U of A. So it's just kind of a you know a style type of thing and. They play uh, the final game of the regular season, by the way, in a couple of Saturdays in L.A. So that that game might, could go a long way in determining who's the number one seed in the uh, West Regional. And I think it's very important for each of these teams to be in the West. Uh, UCLA, the West Regional this year, the finals, the, uh, the, 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 the semifinals and the finals of the West Regional are in Las Vegas. And UCLA has a huge fan base in Las Vegas. 
uh, going way back. Uh, and, you know, even when Tark was there, Tark didn't play UCLA because he didn't want to deal with UCLA and, you know, the fan base, you know, po- possible split and so forth. And, and in those days, you know, UNLV was the king of Las Vegas, but the, he wanted no part of playing UCLA. Switching out of the Pac-12 for tonight, I don't know if this game intrigues you at all with Gonzaga in a rematch against Loyola Marymount after they lost to Loyola Marymount earlier in the year, 9 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not really sure what to think of Marymount, who I think, you know, they beat St. Mary's, too. Uh, the other day, that was kind of a St. Mary's letdown thing after they had beaten Gonzaga the previous game, so there was something going on. Wasn't exactly a, a game that I'm sure that uh, you know St. Mary's was you know all jacked up to play, uh, but you know, the fact that they beat them in Spokane and ended their you know ten million dollar ten million game winning streak and so forth, at that point, uh, I'm just trying to find I, I can't even find a number for this game, uh, but I, you know it's because I'm there's too many games and I I'm kind of scrolling down here trying to find it. I'll find at some point, maybe during the break. Uh, the other, the game that I'm actually most interested in tonight is we'll go back to Purdue. Seems like we talk about Purdue a lot here, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they're playing tonight at Maryland, and Maryland is tremendous at home. Uh, in fact, I don't think they've lost a home game. Uh, if they have, it's uh, well, other than UCLA killed them at home, but a, a con- they haven't lost a conference home game. Uh, and uh, yeah, Purdue's like a one-point favorite in this game tonight against Maryland. And uh, you know, two you know, Maryland's going to be in the NCAA tournament. They've got some. They've got some. They've really improved. And uh, but uh, this is a, that's a game I'm going to be paying. That's like a 4:30 game our time also on Big Ten Network. By the way, uh, Loyola Marymount is an eight and a half point underdog. Makes sense. Uh, you know, they're the team that won the last. It's a, you know, rarely uh, over the years has Gonzaga been in the revenge game. They almost never lose games in the uh, WCC. And uh, when they have, I remember a couple of them were against BYU and they had already beaten them in, in Spokane earlier in the season when they lost games in Salt Lake City. In fact, I remember you know, driving across uh, from Las Vegas back to here in, in Phoenix one of those nights and listening to a BYU radio, uh, one of the big upsets, uh, that was when Loyola was, excuse me, when uh, when uh, Gonzaga was, I think they were, they were number one in the country. And, uh, you know, the, 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 rarely do they lose these games. Rarely do they have a revenge game, bottom line, in, the, in a conference game. It's, they've probably played like, I'm guessing less than five revenge games in conference play in like 10 years. I'm not exaggerating there. Somewhere in that ballpark, that's got to be pretty accurate. Yeah, especially the conference they play in as well. Right. That makes and the sense. Conference is, and the conference has gotten better. Uh, there's you know, San Francisco's gotten better. You know, the, the, basically, Santa Clara's gotten better. Uh, Herb Sendick, uh, since he got there, they've improved. And, uh, so it's not like and BYU has been pretty good most of these years, but it's you, you, usually it's like a you know two game season. And St. Mary's obviously is always good, but yeah, you know, there are more good teams now in this conference than there have been in a while. And I know that some people have made the case that it's better than the Mountain West Conference. You could have made a you, know, you could maybe make a case right now, considering there's probably only two teams from the Pac-12 in the NCAA tournament, that the WCC this year might be better than the Pac-12 from well, top to bottom. 
We'll save some of the Diamondbacks conversation for later on. Uh, we'll answer the win total question, though, which is our KDOS1060.com poll question. Still time for you to cast your vote. We answer it on the other side of the break, as well as our Twitter poll question at KDOSAM1060. Uh, tonight, NAU men's basketball, they're on the road at Eastern Washington. You can hear the call right here on KDOSAM1060 with pregame at 630 and tip-off at 7 with Mitch Stroman on the call. Poll question time. Extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com. And now with the new app, KDOS 1060 for Apple and Android users. It is Thursday. It is February 16th here on KDOS AM 1060. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS 1060.com. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you as we transition our attention over to the poll questions and we'll start with the KDOS 1060.com poll question. The 2023 Diamondbacks over 75 and a half wins or under 75 and a half wins. I haven't made an official decision here yet, but I'm thinking about the over. Uh, and I'm actually going to watch uh, more spring training than I have in the past with the Diamondbacks because I, you know, we mentioned earlier that I think it's, uh, I think their their season is really dependent on younger players stepping up, and I don't take anything for the most part out of spring training stats, but there are a few things I pay attention to, like pitchers, I need them to throw strikes. Uh, I don't really care what happens as far as our run average and so forth because the ball usually flies out of the ballpark during the Cactus League season. And you can just get some, uh, you know, if you're doing a fantasy league or something, don't pay any attention to that. But, you know, whether, you know, if somebody's, you know, having problems throwing strikes or a pitcher they're going to need, that gets my attention. Also, it'd be nice if, uh, you know, some of the younger players are counting on Corbin Carroll. You know, people around baseball think he's the best prospect in baseball. We saw him play a little bit last year towards the end of the year. Not surprisingly, uh, he was overmatched against some of the major league pitching that he faced at that time. Yeah, hopefully that's uh, going to change because they're going to need him. If they're going to be any good and they go over this total, uh, they're going to need him. Uh, I will say two other quick things on the Diamondbacks, though. I know one person that has already bet this over. Uh, at 74 and a half enthusiastically has bet this over and then matt from phoenix one of our uh you know certainly uh probably our best baseball caller or you know one of our best callers no matter what but definitely in the baseball uh he asked me whether i thought about this and he certainly seemed interested in betting the over in the diamondbacks also so it's certainly the first time in a few seasons uh, that uh, we've even thought about betting the Diamondbacks over in a season win total. So I'm considering it, but I need to see a couple of guys in spring training and a couple of the younger players. I just want to see some good signs that they're making progress since the end of last year. 
Yeah, I think that there's like actual optimism heading into this. Not, you know, to uh, get your team to, to 90, 95 wins, but to at least hit over this 75 and a half total. They exceeded mm-hmm. expectations last year. They finished over the win total. Uh, to your point, 74 wins on the year. Uh, you also have guys like a Corbin Carroll, who is expected to have some full time uh, here in the majors and expected to have uh, big time roles now. Zach Gallen, he showed elite stuff last year. So to be able to continue rolling through all of that uh it's still tough sledding in the nl west but you pointed out that they don't have to play as many games against the nl west this year so maybe that's a good thing for them uh so i would uh, also lean in the direction of over 75 and a half wins this year yeah i I can i can definitely under it's something to think about for sure and i think the optimism thing We've heard about some of their younger talent coming up, and some of it's going to be here this year. Some of it was here at the end of last year. And uh, some of their other younger players that they drafted the last two or three years aren't going to be here until after this year. But I think that uh, long term, there's definitely some optimism in this organization for the first time in a few years now. Uh, The masses, though... Not as optimistic. Under 75 and a half wins at 70% of the vote. Over sitting at 75 and a half wins at 30% of the vote. This is KDOS1060.com. Let's flip this to Twitter. Add KDOSAM1060. Is it time for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to part ways? And uh, I'm on the yes side of things. It's been time for a while to have parted ways. And so, therefore, it's time once again to move on. Uh, you can't be held hostage by what his his wants are you have to see what you have in in Jordan Love uh, and I think Frank Schwab made an excellent point as well when we had him on earlier today in that uh, you didn't make the playoffs with him this year and uh, there was a, a significant decline in his MVP season however he does think he's capable of winning another MVP so have him win another MVP in a different uniform. I just think that you, you need some, you just, it, it's time for a change. It, it's time to head in a new direction and it's just run its course for whatever good and bad you have had. Obviously you've gone from one great quarterback to another great quarterback, but it's time to, to go in a different direction. Yeah, I think so also. And this is actually, I don't know if we've actually had this question phrased this way the last couple of years because he was coming off consecutive MVP seasons. So I don't think that, again, plus, you know, we had the, they had some personnel changes at the end of last year. And I don't know if anybody could really foresee some of the re- issues they were going to have last year until we saw it on the field. Uh, but clearly there was a slippage, I think, from Rodgers. There was certainly a slippage in the uh, personnel around him, not just without Adams there, but remember Aaron Jones wasn't healthy the whole season. You know, they had offensive line injuries the whole season, so it wasn't all Rodgers' thing. But there were also some plays and throws that he didn't make last year that we saw him make with, uh, you know, on a pretty regular basis uh, the previous two years when he was the MVP. So it just seems to be the right time to do so. Um, and I think you have at least one desperate team, going back to what Frank was talking about. The Jets, it seems like they would be willing to give up whatever uh, to make a run at Aaron Rodgers because the Jets seem to be pretty well set offensively, even though they do need to get some healthy offensive linemen somehow. Their younger guys have actually gotten hurt early in their careers, unfortunately. But you can see, at least skill position-wise, 
the Jets got lots of dudes. Uh, and uh, they just need a guy to give them the ball. And I think that Rodgers could do that in New York, I guess in New Jersey, right, uh, with the Jets. The masses are also on the yes side of things here pretty clearly. 86.7% of the vote, no sitting at 13.3%. This is on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060. We'll wrap up this Thursday, February 16th edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. NAU men's basketball, they are at Eastern Washington tonight. Mitch Stroman has the call pregame 6.30 p.m. and tip off at 7 o'clock right here on KDUS AM 1060. And then ASU women's basketball is hosting Colorado. A bit of an early start for them. It's a pregame at 10.30 a.m. and tip off at 11 over on KAZG 1440 and KDUS1060.com slash Sun Devils. So that's what's on the docket there for ASU women's basketball and then ASU baseball gets their season started coverage right here on Saturday uh, ASU baseball is hosting San Diego State that's a 12:45 p.m. pregame and first pitch at one o'clock on Saturday for the live sports coming up here on KDOS AM 1060. Hey Phoenix Doug Gottlieb here I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDOS AM 1060. and online at kdos1060.com. Bob, it's thank you time. Okay, this is a long list of stuff. I might have to get like water halfway (laughs) through here. Uh, As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else. Sip for the cracks. Also, our guest today, Matt Schneider, cbssports.com. And he's been doing this power rankings for many years. I think he said like a decade and uh, we were trying to figure out when's the last time the Dodgers were like sixth. <laughs> so, but uh, he has uh, the current power rankings heading into the spring training and the uh, and the upcoming season. And if you missed our conversation, I'm not going to give it away right now. But uh, you know, number two might surprise you. So check out his work, uh, Matt Schneider from CBSSports.com. And we talked about a few things and the new rules. We got into that a little bit. Which uh, ones of those you think are going to make the biggest impact? Uh, once we get to the season, I actually think there will be some spring training controversy regarding some of these new rules. And there's going to be some veteran players that are going to be like uh, not happy. Uh, so that's always fun to watch some veteran pitcher, for instance, who has a pitch clock now and is upset because there's a pitch clock now. <laughs> yeah, really? I got to throw the ball like now? I'm not ready to throw the ball. There's going to be there's going to be some hiffy fits at some point, I predict. I wish I could predict who, but uh, you know, guys, Steve Traxel's not pitching anymore. Uh, he would have been never been able to throw a pitch in Major League Baseball in his life if there was a pitch clock. Uh, anyway, the Cubs fans will laugh at that. All right, uh, so we talked about that. And also Frank Schwab we talked to during the extra point from Yahoo Sports NFL guru and uh, gambling guru guy too. And uh, we covered quite a few things, including the Cardinals, uh, their situation with you know, the, the new new hierarchy, let's put it that way. Not just a head coach, but obviously new hierarchy. 
Uh, sound of the day courtesy of, here's where I might need to take a break, Bally Sports Arizona, Fox, Yes Network, Pac-12, ESPN, The Broncos, CBS Sports, and also Big Ten Network. I made it through the whole thing. Congratulations. Uh, I do have the water right here to my right, though. Uh, and as always, thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, while Kayla is telling you what's coming up next, I now have the water bottle in my right hand, and I'm going to get uh, get a drink here. All right. Up next is the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Suit with Dave Rooster-Bierstein from 5 to 6, and as I mentioned a couple of times here today, uh, NAU men's basketball at Eastern Washington. Pre-game is at 6.30 p.m. and tip-off at 7. And I know that this isn't a thank you, but I need to make sure I get it in here today. A happy birthday goes out to my mom. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes, absolutely. So while we're finishing things up here on today's program, we do have some time to get into uh, uh, Keith Law with The Athletic gave his top 100 MLB prospects and the Diamondbacks found players on this list. One, two, three, four, five of them. And the number one overall prospect is Corbin Carroll, center fielder, obviously, for the Diamondbacks. He was brought up toward the end of last season. I did happen to see him live Boy, does he have some wheels flying around the bases. Uh, Boy, that was impressive. Uh, But obviously he has great defensive skills. And then uh, he showed so much promise at the plate in the minors. Yeah, he's gone through some injuries too. Remember, obviously they had COVID. He didn't play that year uh, because of the minor league baseball. They didn't have that. And then he got injured like his first game or whatever the next year. He you know, had a shoulder injury and was out for the whole year. So he's overcome a few things here the last couple of years in addition to the you know, the COVID, which you know, most minor leaguers, unless you're somehow in a major league camp, uh, you pretty much that year was a waste for you, unfortunately, if you're a younger player. So that's a big deal. And I, I it's interesting that Keith Law – uh, when he was still at ESPN, so that's several years ago before he went to the Athletic. Yeah, I remember he had a scathing column uh, about how the Diamondbacks, you know, organization was a mess, and it was. Uh, it was kind of after the Dave Stewart era uh, and so forth. Yeah, they did a horrendous job of drafting and basically developing players. So the the, the fact that you know, where he stands with the Diamondbacks organization now, as opposed to a few years ago, shows you how much progress the Diamondbacks organization has made as far as building a franchise. I just remember like Tuki Toussaint and the Shelby <laughs> Miller trade and everything like that in the Dave Stewart era. Yeah, that was, uh, and you know, LaRusso was certainly a big part of that too. So I've not, sometimes I wondered how much. Uh, you know, Dave really had to do with the final decision. Uh, but, uh, yeah, those uh, they're a whole kind of thing. The Dansby Swanson situation had the right player, and then they traded him. Yep. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. See how Dave, I'm curious to see how Dansby Swanson does this year with the Cubs. Uh, get back to my little fantasy thing here. Uh, that you know, He certainly had a much better lineup uh, when he was Atlanta, than they'll have in Chicago. Uh, so... Uh, won't have as many runners on base, and I would imagine he'd be much easier to pitch around. And then, uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, Wrigley Field is not a hitter's park most of the time. The wind's often blowing in, and especially early and late in the season. 
uh, somebody that used to uh, go to Cubs games and had season tickets right behind home plate. It's a wonderful thing for like two months a year. The other three months of the four months of the year, it is really cold. <laughs> <laughs> Number Even for me. <laughs> that I like to hear it. One time, there's some some cold weather for you. But it was really cold. I mean, yeah, wind chills for baseball game. That's a bad thing. Number it's a, bad, it's a really bad combination. Number nine on Keith Law's list here is Jordan Lawler, uh, shortstop for the yeah. Diamondbacks, and uh, he should be a really good hitter. Has some good defensive skills. So I guess the question is, when is he going to be making his debut here in the majors? That's an ex. I don't know if anybody knows. Uh, yeah, he had some injury issues last year also, and had delayed his process somewhat. But uh, yeah, former number one pick and. Uh, yeah, certainly a positional need because, uh, you know, shortstop has been kind of a, you know, Nick Ahmed uh, has had some injuries and he's a tremendous fielder, but uh, he's certainly not going to be the long-term answer. So, yeah, that, uh, you know, I would imagine if he's really good, I don't know if that, then again, you still wonder whether how quickly you're going to bring a guy up if you're, if they're like competing for say a playoff spot, God forbid, then I think they, maybe that would accelerate the progress. But uh, if they're not doing that, you know, why use the, why waste the service time, which still exists in Major League Baseball, by the way. I'll go quickly with these last three on his list. Number 14 is Drew Jones, the outfielder. Yeah. Uh, he was the number two overall pick in the draft in 2022 and obviously an elite defender. And another guy that got hurt. He got hurt in the batting practice when they brought him here just to kind of show off. Uh, so I, you know, I assume at that time they weren't. Uh, I remember he, we weren't sure he was going to be ready for the start of spring training in the season. So I've not uh, read anything new about that. Number thirty-eight is Brandon Fat, uh, right-handed pitcher. Yeah. Uh, has a great fastball. Uses his slider as the out pitch, according to Keith Law, and uh, a good mid-rotation guy, according to him. And number eighty-two on the list is Ryan Nelson, another right-handed pitcher. He started all last year in Reno. Yeah. So those are guys that are definitely competing for uh, you know rotation spots this year and. You know, that's one of the things that Matt Schneider had issues with or just questioned, uh, you know, who's going to round out the Diamondbacks rotation. Bob, Tiger's walking to the tee. He's getting oh, his round started wow. at the Genesis Invitational. Does he have like a ski jacket on? Uh, no, he's wearing less layers today. <laughs> uh, but John Rahm, he is out in front now, six under par through 17 holes. Matt Kuchar is five under par through 14. That'll do it for this Thursday, February 16th edition of Extra Points. Bob Kemp in the Sports Zone gets things started tomorrow locally for us at 10 a.m. Talk to you on Friday.